0: ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more.
1: Nightlife. News breakdown.
0: Well, the Albanese government would not be happy with the latest polling out today, which comes less than a week out from Saturday's Dunkley by-election in Victoria. The news poll survey shows Labor's primary vote dropping to 33%. Uh, They're ahead one point less than the previous poll with uh, the Prime Minister Anthony Albanese's Approval ratings remaining in negative territory. The coalition's primary vote is unchanged at 36, percent as are opposition leader Peter Dutton's approval ratings. Perhaps somewhat more reassuringly for Labor, now past the midterm mark of the first Albanese government, Labor has nevertheless maintained its 42. Sorry, it's 52 to 48 percent lead. On a two-party preferred basis. Well, joining us again for the Nightlife News breakdown is Emily Barrett, managing editor of the Saturday Paper. Emily, good evening. Welcome back to Nightlife.
1: Good evening. I feel great to be here.
0: Well, another news poll. It's it's if not it's not necessarily disastrous, but it's not that encouraging for for Labor, is it? I mean, the Prime Minister might have hoped the changes to the tax cut, the tax cuts, and all of that might have, even though that seems to have gone down reasonably well with voters, might have led to a boost. In his political fortunes, uh, but not to be, it seems.
1: Yeah, it's probably not exactly where the government would have liked to have been at this point. But it's not—it's not terrible either, as you point out. I mean, the latest polls still show, as you say, that um, you know the the lead is still there on a two party preferred basis. It's still in a winnable position for the next election, depending on you know whenever that happens. Um, and though Albanese is still in negative territory for his approval rating, it, it's a big lead still over Dutton as preferred PM. It's like forty-seven uh, percent to thirty-five percent. Um, but if we pair, this has actually been reinforced, these results for Labor by the Nine Papers resolved Political Monitor, um, and that was the best result for the Coalition since the election. Um, and that one sees um, the Coalition having pulled ahead of Labor for the first time. Um, it, it, you might have hoped, I mean, Labour Labor probably would have been looking for a boost given those changes to stage three, a given particularly that it redistributed those tax cuts to, um, to more towards lower and middle income people. Um, and the interesting thing from that resolve, resolve polling as well is that it showed that broadly speaking, 52% of respondents were in favour of those changes. But the weakest support is still coming from the low-income category. So it seems that that message really isn't cutting through of of who this is supposed to help.
0: Mm. Yes, these results do show that the government, uh, as, as, as you say, it's not a disaster, but they've failed to improve their position overall since December and that was seen as a low point for the government in the wake of the voice referendum failure. So is the government back on track with its cost of living Concerns because that appears to be the major concern uh and not surprisingly of voters isn't it
1: yeah, that's absolutely right, I mean it's still right up there as the primary concern for most voters and and that seems to be reflected in Dunkley as well, at least from some of the um reports we're seeing anecdotally as well as from some of the polling but uh, it's it's unclear that you know that's being connected you know you would think that that narrative might come alongside something to do with you know more equitable decisions more sort of egalitarian decision making and and it really seems as if as we were saying before that, that labor is struggling to cut through with that um clearly you know november last year was a was a a low point for Labour in terms of when the polls were taken. Um, it hasn't made much sort of a, of a difference now. But um, the interesting thing also is that if you look at, you know, uh, I think the, another thing that the polling broke out was which is the better party to manage the economy and immigration and resolve as saying that the coalition's still well ahead of Labour on both of those counts as well. Um, so, yeah, it's got a lot of, a lot of ground to make up.
0: Mm, yes, the opposition is hoping to, to get some traction on border control, playing up the arrival of an asylum seeker boat on the Australian mainland. Uh, They might just reinforce their position here rather than make ground, do you think?
1: Yeah, it seems to be the case. I mean, honestly, that, that perception still seems to be live that for some reason, you know, despite the fact that we've had some, I mean, we had it in the paper last week and some fairly serious fact checks on the claims that Dutton been mm. making about the arrival of, of boat people and, and the way that border control has been handled by Labor. Um, it still seems as if there is that sort of just belief among voters that the coalition is still to be trusted on, on border control and immigration management and, um, you know, same same with national security and defence. These are issues that remain, mm. at least in some voters' minds, as the province of the coalition. Yes,
0: yes. I mean, in in all truthfulness, there are no real differences between the coalition and the government on border control. I mean, the the policies are pretty, are, are practically similar. Although there is difference in 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 rhetoric, but the rhetoric. Uh, is is all that they're pinning their hopes on, I guess, in coalition terms. Look, the Greens, though, are sniping at the Albanese government on a, a real issue. This is housing, where there are differences of, of view. They're, they're threatening to vote against the government's help to buy housing plan unless it makes changes to negative gearing and capital gains tax concessions. This is the Greens leader, Adam Bandt. Unless we see movement on the things that are pushing house prices out of reach of millions of renters across the country and a fix to negative gearing and capital gains tax handouts, capping of rents and building public housing, we'll vote against it in the House, we'll reserve our position in the Senate. Yeah, look, this is a live issue in the sense that uh, there there is an obvious issue in relation to the uh, way the equation against house, house ownership has moved against young people. And the government's really not offering them anything, so they're not really saying anything. Uh, The Greens will say that they are concerned about it, would like to do something about it, and that's fair enough, although they're never really in a position to do much. But there is some suggestion that maybe that's keeping the ALP's primary vote low too.
1: Mm, well that 's a fair enough surmising as well, because certainly housing and accommodation has been up there with the cost of living as a major concern among voters and and the greens clearly did make some headway when they um, faced this housing fund um, debate last time around and, and forced a pause on the uh, on the vote the uh, you know, The interesting thing though from that latest polling, at least from the news poll that you were referring to earlier, is that the greens themselves remain stable at, at around twelve percent. Mm. Um the Teals and the other independents have picked up in that polling, so who knows whether that's an accurate reflection of how uh, of how people are caring about this issue. But it does seem, you know, it's interesting to kind of interrogate those numbers and think, well, you they're not really seeming to, to come through with the gains at this point.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, Emily Barrett's with us, managing editor of the Saturday paper on the Nightlife News Breakdown. All right, look, on to, um, well, the, the Libs themselves don't are not um, uh, untroubled, of course, the coalition uh, is not unpressured, Um, particularly in New South Wales, there was a gathering of a few hundred New South Wales Liberals in the grand ballroom of Sydney's Fullerton Hotel on the weekend, no less. And there were pre-selection issues discussed. I mean, one such issue was a motion to expel the former immigration minister and former prime minister, Scott Norrison's numbers man, Alex Hawke, from the party over his alleged role in delaying pre-selections before the last election. Look, this is all a, a power struggle inside the New South Wales Liberals between the right-wing and the moderates. Um, What was the story here, as you see it, Emily?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is – the State Council meeting was supposed to be a sort of a show of unity um, and a chance to get the party sort of battle ready for the next election and um, particularly, you know, important for them given that the election could come sooner rather than later – one of the motions that was brought was to reopen the pre-selection for Bradfield, um, which was which was awarded to the former communications minister, Paul Fletcher. But Hawke, apparently, he, he pulled through and it's some kind of a cooperation between the centre-right faction that he belongs to and the moderates, which is a fairly rare occurrence. So maybe they, they did manage to sort of grapple with um, some of those disputes, which seem to have uh, have driven the party earlier and, and perhaps they're... Little more unity than uh, than had been expected.
0: Yes, I mean many say Angus Taylor's the uh, heir apparent, if <laughs> on the right at least. If uh, if it's not going to be uh, Mr. Dutton, does Alex Hawke see himself in that role? Do you think as a potential leader?
1: That's that's an interesting, I mean, the the transition from numbers man to actually counting them for yourself, I suppose, is probably a short step. There's no sign so far that anyone is ready or or has the numbers to challenge Dutton in any meaningful way at this point. And, you know, as we were talking about before, you know, those polls, they're not stellar, but they've improved steadily under his leadership. So, um, albeit Probably not to a point where the coalition are clear winners any time soon, but uh, but he can he can stand up and say that he has made gains for the party, and it can be borne mm. out for the polling. Who knows what happens if that starts to turn south for
0: him? Yes, indeed. Me- meanwhile, of course, the former prime minister Scott Morrison's um, leaving parliament. He says he admires well he, ad- well, he admires the career of Julia Gillard. Would like to to do that if he'd left. We shall see, her, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Heading up the UN for women's issues. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes it's a strange, strange odd parallel. I, I suppose what he means is that she's scored some prestigious roles outside the parliament, which is not the case for a previous incumbents. I must say, Mister uh, uh, Tony Abbott is the prime example. I suggest, but there are there's a lot of numbers going on for the pre-selection race for Mister Scott Morrison's old seat of Cook. It's, I mean, it's a pretty safe Liberal seat. Um, mm. Who's the front runner here?
1: Yeah, well, as you say, it's a pretty comfortable seat. This is a margin of 12% that Cook has, um, and the the contest is underway shortly. Um, So far, the top contenders, and these are identified by the AFR, uh, it's uh, Sutherland Shire Mayor, that's Carmelo Pesky, and um, former McKinsey partner Simon Kennedy. Um, He has the backing of the right of the party, and that includes at least two former New South Wales premiers, I think Nick Greiner and John Perrette as well as Tony Abbott. Um, The only woman is Gwen Cherney, who's the um, Veteran Family Advocate Commissioner, so she's a um, former ADF member.
0: Mm, Which we'll see, I guess. Uh, Look, the coalition partner, the Nationals, of course, uh, uh, also have a few internal issues. Nationals leader David Littleproud says, former leader and currently a Shadow Minister Barnaby Joyce won't be in Parliament this week, apparently due to the need to address issues relating to his behaviour earlier this month. Uh, and also a reported family issue. A video emerged of him lying on a footpath in Canberra's uh, uh, inner areas, swearing into his phone. Now, Mr. Joyce was encouraged to take leave, and this is what is happening. This is David Littleproud. He's notified me that he won't be coming to Parliament. He's having the week off, which uh, we gave him the opportunity to, to, to undertake with his family, and uh, I respect that. Is this the? I mean, you're not going to leave Parliament, Barnaby Joyce, but is this the end of his ambitions inside the Nationals? Do you think?
1: I doubt that it's the end of his ambitions, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, it sounds like he was strongly encouraged to take a break um we we had a piece from malcolm fire last week that was looking at the nationals quandary with joyce basically um you know it doesn't seem as if david Littleproud has great name recognition um you know mm. it's probably a bit difficult when you're not showing up on the front pages as often as joyce is and one former liberal mp described joyce as a problem with no solution for the nationals um joyce has shown up as negative for co- the coalition in in all kinds of polls and he's not as we know, beloved among female voters. Um, lots of people think that he was a factor in the losses of the urban seats as well in the last election, such as Wentworth and North Sydney. Um, but it's unclear, this was from Farr's reporting as well, what might happen if he were ousted. Is he is he safer for them on the inside than on the outside, as it were? Um and he's he's definitely benefited um, from the influence of uh, the of Queensland's Liberal National Party, um, and that party, its sort of standalone version, has you know um, twenty one seats of the fifty five coalition opposition MP seats in the House of Representatives. So it's it's that's versus the Nationals nine. So it has. Very strong sway, and Joyce is almost an honorary LNP member Mm. um, because he, of course, was a Queensland senator until 2013. Um, So he does have some significant support within the party, and it's just uh, interesting to see how this plays out now.
0: Mm. All right. Emily Barrett's with us, managing editor of the Saturday paper. This is the Nightlife News Breakdown. Look, just finally, and perhaps more importantly, of course, to other matters, the biggest review of universities in decades – Uh, has been released. It's recommended sweeping changes which would allow for better financial support for students as well as getting more people from low-income backgrounds into university. Among the recommendations of the Australian Universities Accord is the establishment of a $10 billion student infrastructure fund which would be co-funded by government and the universities. Some universities aren't happy about having to meet half the costs, calling it a bureaucratic tax on the sector, which they say would have dire consequences for research, are other less well-funded universities, smaller ones, are extremely happy about it. The Federal Education Minister, Jason Clare, has indicated he's also open to changing the way HECS repayments are calculated as soon as the May budget, uh, perhaps as soon as the May budget, putting some more money into the pockets of graduates on lower incomes. He explained the need for the changes. This is Jason Clare.
1: And what this report says is that by the middle of this century we'll need a workforce where 80% of that workforce haven't just finished high school, but they've got a TAFE qualification or a university degree as well. And that's not going to be easy.
0: No. He he hasn't confirmed which recommendations the government will support, but says that will be made clear soon enough.
1: I've said that we will respond to this in the next few months. There are already some recommendations here that we've acted on. Reform is underway, and in the next few months... I'll be announcing the first stage of our response to this, the final report of the Universities Accord.
0: Emily, there's a lot here. It's a big review. There's a lot to fix. There are big problems here. Our retention rates at universities, as we know, have fallen, and no-one thinks that's good. But then again, the solutions and the way forward is paved with money, isn't it?
1: That's exactly right. I mean, Jason Clare said on the weekend that fulfilling any of these initiatives, and there are 47 of them, um, would mean significant government funding. Um, it's um, The report's been with the government since December. There's still a lot of process to go through, and, and Clare's already been managing expectations around the timing of any implementation. He's saying that it's you know not just for one budget, but a blueprint for the next decade and, and beyond that. Um, and it's Very ambitious. Um, So all of these, but these are important changes. It's a full turnaround from the stance under the coalition. Um, One of the recommendations is to scrap the Job Ready Graduate Scheme. Um, And that scheme has left a lot of students, particularly in the humanities degrees, facing debts that vastly exceed their earning potential in future. Um, so, this is a way of bringing more um, disadvantaged groups into the tertiary sector that including mm. indigenous students and and as we know, a lot of that sector has been skewed towards you know the money making areas of international students etc so it 's a major turnaround for some of the larger universities as well to look at their uh, how they 're funding and where they 're putting their money. Um, as you said, you know they they are already out there complaining that this would this is endangering their research capabilities.
0: Yeah, I mean, but underlying, it, I suppose, is something that all Australians ought to be concerned about. It because it, you know, the school retention rates have fallen, and mm. university entrance rates, uh, and completion rates in particular, completion rates, have fallen. Now, this is not good for the country, is it?
1: No, absolutely not, and we have seen Australian universities starting to slip down the rankings of uh, of the international um, scales so um it's it's really you know Australia has had a very proud um, and long history of having a, a very equitable well it's less and less so over over the past few decades, but Australian universities have really punched above their weight in in the international community, and it would be a terrible pity to see things deteriorate further from here
0: yes indeed Emily